podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How's your fantasy team doing, mate? Oh, I haven't sat here in ages. Everyone's bored of it by the stages of the season, now, aren't they? That's enough out of you, you whiny limey. That's soccer, not football. And this is Paddy Power's NFL Fantasy. Running on just the 6 p.m. games, it's only a game week long. No season-long boredom, no excuses, and 750 pounds in prizes guaranteed each week. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18 Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Tom Deakin, comedian and 49ers fan in the house. We'll check in with him very, very shortly as we frame up the AFC and NFC playoff race. Really interesting results this weekend. So much to be getting into. The Dallas Cowboys shutting us all up and suddenly seemingly back in business. Has that finished the Rams season? The 49ers lose. They've dropped down to the number five seed now in the NFC. Seattle and Green Bay, Minnesota, all win as well in the AFC. Little scare for New England, but they got the job done. Buffalo made the playoffs as well. Kansas City doing it in the snow. So much to talk about, and we will get into it very, very shortly. Just a quick shout out to our headline sponsors, the terrific Padded Power Fantasy and our Listener League, which rolls on once again this weekend. It's a daily fantasy league, so you can pick a team this weekend based on the 6 o'clock games and enter that in uh, to the Fantasy League against other listeners and win cash prizes. And it's free to enter. Head on over to our social media channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You'll find the link on there. Get involved. Get stuck in. It is a lot of fun. Uh, I am Mike in on Wednesday, of course, for our regular deep dive uh, and our preview show coming your way this weekend on the Friday, each and every week, four pods a week, the Daily Fantasy Show on the Saturday, all the way up to and including the Super Bowl. What is not to love about that gang? Right, let's get straight into it. And the terrific Tom Deacon. Tom Deacon, twice in two days, because you and I did some radio last night, and you're back again. In fact, you're back on the 27th of December as well, so the, the December hat-trick for Deacon. Uh, yeah, I'll take the hat-trick. Uh, it's kind of like Christmas. Uh, bad smells happen due to how much food we eat, and uh, I, I feel like I'm the bad smell at the moment. <laughs> I was good, was some, some sort of uh, indictment of our studio last night. Uh, no, but, no, um, it was fresh. The, the the football was beautiful to watch, and, and I thought the Bengals were going to get that win, but hey, listen, uh, no Christmas miracles yet. Yeah, they started so well, didn't they? But the Patriots ended up dominating proceedings there, and how did Zach, Zach Taylor describe it? He was very... Um, the. the Bengals wide receivers were bullied by the Patriots, as Zach Taylor described that, which was uh, a little bit toys out of the pram. I thought uh, we'll get into that. We'll look at we're going to look at both uh, the AFC and the NFC in terms of the playoff picture as well, and uh, in turn talk about how the contenders got on uh, last night. Also, uh, the Raiders, for example, big story with the final game going the wrong way at the Coliseum, which was maybe the most Raiders esque ending ever right so blowing a massive lead uh <laughs> dominating the game but failing to score any more points uh then being booed off the field and uh, nachos are being thrown on the field as well um Derek Carr gave quite a wistful uh, but I thought quite quite brave uh press conference afterwards saying I'm not going to say anything to the fans they don't want to hear anything from me and uh it just it was uh, in a way I think that was the best way the Raiders could have got out yeah, definitely. Um, let, I don't want to hear anything from you, Derek. I don't want to hear your play calls, uh, <laughs> and your snap count. What I want to see you do is throw the ball to your tight end. It worked all night. Now we suddenly start running the football. What's going on, Derek? Just, just, just actions. That's what the Raiders fans want. Um, but yeah, what a shame because those nachos aren't cheap. Um, so they really weren't happy. <laughs> no, they're not. We'll talk about that in a bit. And, uh, as I say, the runners and riders and what, uh, the week 15 results mean for the playoff picture. I will start speaking of playoffs with a, a team, another team that's confirmed their spot in the postseason. No surprise, really. They've been in contention most of the season, but to many people, I think still a bit of an unknown quantity, the Buffalo Bills, because they haven't been on prime time very often. I think a lot of uh, fans see the highlight reels, see the Bills winning and winning, know they've got a decent defense and interesting quarterback, but don't know necessarily much more about them than that. And this was the, the big opportunity uh, to step up in prime time. And it was a very Bills performance, wasn't it? 17-10, the final over the Steelers. E- erratic offenses on, on both sides, I think, but including the Bills. Uh, but defense was where it got done. And Tredavious White, uh, two interceptions on the night for him, which uh, 
really, really uh, staked his claim for an all-pro position and uh, defensive player of the year, if it wasn't for Stefan Gilmore, I think, who he seems to be going toe-to-toe with. The defense full stop, Tom, played exceptionally well. It's a brilliantly coached side and well-deserved of their playoff spot, I think. Oh, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt now. Uh, Sean McDermott doing a fantastic job uh, down there. They're playing fearless, uh, those Bills, and the, the the Bills Mafia will be very happy. Um, I, I think they just want the wins, and, and that seems to be happening. And, and you're quite right. Uh, Tredavious White, uh, a former first-round pick back in the 2017 draft, uh, replacing the, the likes of Stephen Gilmore, funnily enough, and they're, they're tied for the most interceptions in the league. Um mm. They're getting the job done and, and they're not expecting Josh Allen to do anything uh, above and beyond his skill set. Um, if he can keep running in touchdowns himself, fantastic. Uh, they, they are a team that a lot of people aren't watching because there's, there's no bells and whistles. There's no sort of uh, too much excitement of them. I think we were all cheering them on in week four when they played the Patriots in a divisional game and they lost 16-10. That was their chance. And then we sort of forgot about them. And yet now we look at them 10 and four in the AFC East and, and neck and neck kind of with New England Patriots. That is their problem, of course, that they play in the East. It's the, it's the same issue that those contenders in the NFC West have. Uh, in another division, they'd be rolling the division, but if they, uh, but they find themselves with the Patriots and even though they've got the Patriots again, so they could theoretically win, win the East. That would also require the Patriots to lose to the Dolphins on the final week of the season. So it's pretty unlikely. So they've got to go through the wild card round they've got to go on the road then what are the issues i guess because we know the defense can ball and levi wallace stepping up right at the end as well uh looking at some of the stats in this game and as i say both offenses fairly erratic both the steelers and the bills fairly erratic uh, seven turnovers all round averaging just four yards per play uh kind of tells you everything you need to know offensively for the bills I think the concern has been, certainly in, in, in my mind, and I've heard others throw this one around, because there aren't any obvious playmakers, as you say, there certainly aren't any real stars in this in this Bills offense. But it's even it has been even worse than that. It's quite slim pickings, particularly in the receiving core. That, that seems to be gradually turning around. Partly as Josh Allen gets a little bit more composed and balanced as a quarterback, because he can tear you up on the ground, but he can absolutely throw some dimes as well and he seems to be a little bit less dangerous and vulnerable as a quarterback in that respect in terms of turnovers he seems to be more efficient there John Brown had a big game almost 100 yards seven catches Uh, Tyler Croft who of course scored the game-winning touchdown stepping up and they've got a decent running game Devin Singletary uh, maybe is probably the closest they've got to uh, an emerging superstar do you think they've got enough to compete in the postseason defensively they'll keep games tight but offensively with Josh Allen have they got enough to to maybe cause an upset in the first round uh, it's going to be interesting now I mean you're, you're quite right when you say uh, John Brown uh, seven receptions for 99 yards uh, just one more yard and he would have uh, joined the, uh, the centenary club um, they should have just given him the yard shouldn't they just... yeah of course come on Sean McDonough dial up the play give him that opportunity um, the problem is though you've got Cole Beasley and we know how good uh, he can be I think he's playing off uh, in a slot position um, but Josh Allen the way to to get him to make him make mistakes is to get him to throw that football. But then, of course, you do that, and he gains in confidence throughout games. Um, of course, there's Frank Gore as well. I, I don't think he's still got the legs. He's my favourite player ever. But you know, you, when you talk about Frank Gore, wherever you are, do you always just take that knee and just look up to the heavens and hushed reverence? Is that always uh, wherever you wherever you are and you hear his name? Uh, I'm never hushed. I'm always shouting about Frank, but what happens is my right tear duct begins to swell up a little ah, bit and, and I lose a couple of tears there. Uh, he's an absolute legend, <laughs> but obviously you want Singletary, the, the fresh, uh, tread on his, on his tires to keep running the football. But I do think if you're going to ask Josh Allen to throw that football and John Brown is, I don't know, double teamed him and, and can't get the football, then I feel like that's when, uh, they will struggle. But, if they can continue to make quarterbacks, and I know he's the third string, uh, Hodges, but if you can get the opposition quarterback to, to throw up four interceptions, then you're mm. always going to be there or thereabouts. So I feel like the Bills Mafia don't even mind going into this wild card playing away because they're, they're six and one away this season. So they're a team that travel. They know exactly what they need to do. They're defensive. 
They don't play above their station. I think they can get the job done. You know, I, I, I really do. Like they, get a, they get a face. It, you know, things go to plan. And we'll, we'll look at the playoff picture in, in more detail later. But it is most likely that Buffalo will be the number five seed, right? Assuming that they don't surpass the Patriots and that nobody catches them, which is pretty unlikely. So that means they're going to be playing the winner most likely again of the of the AFC South, which is going to be either Houston or Tennessee and, and more probably after yesterday's result and win for the Texans, more likely the Houston Texans. Buffalo going on the road to Houston, that is a winnable winnable game in, in my eyes. And we've got to give credit to Sean McDermott in particular. This is their second playoff trip in three years. And he has bounced back, rethought this team, rebuilt it after a, a pretty lackluster season last time around. Again, without overstating the point that Buffalo isn't as fashionable, fashionable a market as others and the Bills don't get the attention that perhaps they deserve, it is, in my mind, pretty clear, Tom, that he is an underrated head coach. When you're thinking of you know, McVeigh, of course, understandably got so many plaudits for what he managed to do last year and the way that the Rams played as well as how successful they were, had a lot to do with that. They're just electric to watch and the Bills are just built in a different way. But this season, whatever happens in the playoffs, should be the season I think that people take the average fan, the average, the casual fan, starts to take Sean McDermott really seriously and puts him in that top tier of coaches in the NFL. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, simplicity is sometimes really complex uh, and that seems to be the Bills uh, nice. through and through. Uh, Sean McDermott is doing exactly what he needs to do. There are no no thrills. Uh, when uh, Shady McCoy uh, headed out, people were like, well, c- can we replace him? I mean, what are we going to do? And he knows how to win. And I think as you get closer to those playoffs, he's learned from that uh, wild card. Uh, loss against the Jags, another high-scoring game, 10-3. Um, those punters were knackered after that game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they know how to to get across the line. And I think, yeah, I mean, he's not the the, the head coach that, that people are like, oh, he's exciting, the playbook. You look at Shanahan or uh, McVeigh. He isn't that guy. But he's you wouldn't a- mess with him, though, would you? I mean, you, what, you, oh, no. <laughs> um, is he, where, is he, where is he on your power rankings, the scariest coach in the NFL? Um, I, I, do you know what? I feel like, um, Tomlin's up there. Yeah. Tomlin's up there and he, he's had a fantastic season as well. Seeing as you're on your third string quarterback, uh, and you've had, uh, James Connor not playing a lot of the season yeah. as well. Who looked um, good last night the, when he, when he was given the ball, they didn't really run it enough, but um, let me reframe the question a little bit that head coach as a player or even, you know, just a member of the organization, you could be working in the canteen, you know, you could be in the gift shop that you would, <laughs> which coach would you least like to be shouted at by? Wow. Tomlin's got to be on that list. McDermott is definitely. So I wouldn't be yeah. worried. Jason Garrett wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really, wouldn't be concerned. Belichick. No, he just, he just clap loudly. Uh, so <laughs> he, he might burst an eardrum. Actually, I think he's the un- underrated one. Um, <laughs> who would it be? I mean, there's probably the Washington Redskins defensive coach, uh, Mr. Mr. Ryan. Um, maybe he, he's quite a big Rob guy. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't get to get hit by him, would you? Oh, I think he's um, a pussycat though, Rob Ryan. I'm not. I'm, really? Yeah. Uh, there's no worse way of going. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, than being tickled to death. He does look the sort he looks like a tickler. Um, so <laughs> maybe that would be the worst way to go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick. Uh, I'm not going to say Sean McDermott just because we're talking about him. But he, I don't think I've ever seen him smile. And that worries me. <laughs> Let's find, if you can find footage, or we'll take a still image as well of Sean McDermott smiling at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, let us know. I can, I'll wrap that up in your, uh, in your Christmas present that I'm going to be actually obliged <laughs> to give you on the show on the, on the 27th. And, uh, that will make you a happy buddy. Also, on, uh, I want on a t-shirt. What do you say? Simplicity can be complex. Yes, like simplicity that. can can be com- complex, and um, it's doing the simple things and and executing them well, and that's what the Bills seem to be doing. And they, let, let's not forget they would have learned uh, from um, the Patriots in Week Four, losing to them. Uh, they couldn't get the offense rolling, and we know how many problems the Patriots have had. But but what I like about this, there's still a chance for them to get a bye, and that's the beautiful thing about the, yeah. the Bills. Patriots need to lose the next two. And obviously the stakes are raised because their next game will be against the Bills. And then the Chiefs just have to lose one of their final two games. Uh, that's at the Bears and at home to the Chargers. And you know what? Those Bills could get a bye. I mean, I think at that point, you know, we'd, we'd all be, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we do. We'd all be lost for words like I am right now. 
Well, let's look at the playoff picture and we'll reference the Steelers in turn. So the Ravens and the Patriots, the one and two seeds right now, and we'll probably hang on uh, to those. Certainly uh, the Ravens, you would think the first round by whether they hold on to the number one seed, we'll find out over the next couple of weeks, 12 and two and 11 and three, their records respectively. But then, as you say, you've got the other two divisional leaders, Kansas City and the Houston Texans, uh, nine and five, the Texans record 10 and four for Kansas City, which is the same record as Buffalo. And, uh, you know, refer you to my earlier point about being in the wrong division at the wrong time in the wrong place, uh, 10 and four, the Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite that loss, Tom, uh, still in the playoffs at the moment. Eight and six is their record. It is the same record as the Titans who lost to the Texans. So they are very much in the hunt. And it looks like the wild card is going to be between those two teams because the Colts are six and seven. The Browns fall to six and eight, uh, as do the Raiders after uh, the aforementioned loss at the Coliseum. So it looks like it is a straight shootout between the Steelers and the Titans. We'll talk Tennessee in a moment, but on Pittsburgh, a disappointing given they held Buffalo to 17 points. Their offense just couldn't get going at all, really. And, and Duck Hodges, Devlin Hodges, who is their third quarterback of the season, the quarterback that out of Rudolph, Mason Rudolph, uh, and uh, and him, the fans wanted to see the most, I think. That seems to be the kind of consensus that the fans, Tomlin is backing the quarterback the fans want in place at the moment with no Roethlisberger. And he's shown that he's a playmaker, but he struggled last night. Even actually within that, there were some uh, some downtown hits to Washington, who he seems to like to collaborate with a fair bit. And Deontay Johnson as well uh, had uh, had a, a, another solid performance, but just not enough. And like I said earlier, I was surprised they didn't look at the ground game more because Connor ha- looked really strong when, to me when he was running the ball, but he only had eight carries. I know he's coming back from injury, so maybe they are just pacing him a little bit. What did you make of, of Pittsburgh for, uh, Pitt, <laughs> easy for me to say Pittsburgh's performance all around last night? Uh, I mean, listen, it, it, I, I imagine you'd say eight and six now. Um, they expected maybe the, the bills were there for the taking at home. Um, I think it comes down to the fact in the NFL, players get injured. It's about who steps up uh, next for your team. And I think, you know, we can all say, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, not being there. He's had some bad juju uh, with his injuries <laughs> and really hasn't got the ball. So yeah, James Washington has stepped up. He, he was targeted 11 times last night. Um, he got five receptions out of that uh, for 83 yards. And, yeah. and as you say, Johnson's there as well. I think they've struggled without him in the tight end. They'd love to have Vance McDonald. He's injured. Um, and James Conner, I think the problem with him, they would love to have run the ball more with him. Eight carries for 42 yards. Um, unfortunately, Benny Snell Jr. not able to step up to it or Jalen Samuels. So they've, they've had to rely on, on throwing that football to, to, to do anything, but it, it's not the wide receiving core that we'd expect. And I think why Mike Tomlin's done such a great job is he's changed the ethos in this team, you know, not very long ago, you had Antonio Brown, uh, Le'Veon Bell, you had exciting playmakers mm-hmm. that, that could do something and they're having to almost mid-season changed their whole identity. Um, and if James Connor's not fit enough to, to keep getting the, the workload, uh, then then they have struggled. And, and obviously, Devlin Hodges throwing four interceptions it just makes life that extra bit hard for them. But um, but like you say, they're still in with a shot and um, they they will feel confident learning how to play as, in, as, as this team is now. Um, they go away to the Jets, then they've got the Ravens. So maybe they'll get that one extra win. I don't see them uh, picking up a win against the Ravens unless the Ravens yeah. start resting players exactly which they might do because that's a that is a good point it's week 17 of course so the ravens could have the number one seed locked and loaded by then i mean a lot uh, depends on what happens this weekend for baltimore who have they got the browns this weekend the, the ravens is that right let me just check so they've got yeah they got the browns this weekend so they beat the browns which they should particularly now the browns although mathematically after that loss yesterday. Did you see the Jarvis Landry, Freddie Kitchens thing as well? So did you see that? No, I, I haven't seen. All I've seen is basically the the bad press coming from the Browns. Uh, OBJ doesn't apparently want to be there. You've got Landry not probably happy. It, it, it's not a happy place to be in there after so much expectations were put on the Browns. But but what's, what's so Landry done now? Yeah, they are. So, I mean, I love the Browns. Are just just when you think they couldn't get more dysfunctional or more living up to the stereotype of the Browns, so they 
obviously they lost heavily yesterday, right? So that was always not well on the sidelines. And at one point, I think it was a fourth and three, fourth and fourth and a few anyway, fourth and two maybe. And Kitchens decided to go for the field goal. Uh, and Landry kicked off, just showed his displeasure on the sidelines. Oh, was this the uh, yelling? <laughs> they just went and sat next to Beckham and they both just sat there like really sulky, teen- sulky teenagers. Freddie Kitchens afterwards in the presser was saying, I haven't heard the presser. I just read the transcript, but it looked like he's, you know, had to do that. Oh, hey, you know, Jarvis is a great guy. It's all okay. And uh, sometimes I think those sideline spats are overblown, right? I, you know, I remember when, Brady kicked off with McDaniels, you know, and uh, and everyone wanted to make a big hoo-ha about that. And afterwards, Brady was like, well, look, we're passionate. Sometimes that happens. And what do you expect? And which is an incredibly reasonable point. I think people are looking for an angle sometimes and they're human beings and it's a lot at stake and tempers and passions are high and you understand why that happens. But in the Browns case, I think it's just another piece of evidence that that place is the most dysfunctional locker room in the NFL at the moment. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, Browns fans got excited. They got that first win in such a long time. Free beer was flowing in Cleveland. Um, and, and everyone was expecting this to be the year and they've put a lot of talent on the field. Uh, and I think only now in certain games are they working out. They need to run that football because Unfortunately, uh, Baker's spent more time making adverts this year um, than actually uh, yeah. uh, producing on the field. However, put it frankly, for, for, for non-Browns fans, as well as the fans of, of, of Cleveland Browns, uh, it's a decade. They're the only team in a decade, uh, this decade, to not have a winning season. <laughs> so that's 10 years of, of not even having a winning record. Uh, it is remarkable. I feel like if Landry and OBJ are falling out, it's the passion Kitchens maybe doesn't have the know-how of when to, to, to go for it. Some play calling he's had has been suspect, but they've got the ingredients on the field to, to be a winning team. But it's just so, as you say, it's dysfunctional. You can't get a team over the line when there's too many in-house problems. Yeah, I just don't think they, I think it's an easy, easy take to say Freddie Kitchens is a new head coach and he's one of the boys, a good old boy. He's out of his depth it's a little bit too early to tell that because he could, you know, in the right situation, still make it as an NFL head coach. But right now I just don't think that locker room, that collection of players, you, he works with that collection of players. You need, and I'm not saying you have to go drill sergeant authoritarian, but I think you need a head coach with gravitas that has been there and done it. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, for example, <laughs> if he was in Cleveland, that would be a very, very different situation, I think. And even, you know, fair to like Gruden and Mike Mayock at the Raiders, they stared down Antonio Brown and he was their best player on paper by a country mile going into this season, right? And they didn't take any nonsense and, and made that decision, which looked cataclysmically brave at the time, but it turned out to be the right one. And I think that the whether Odell Beckham is going to be a Cleveland Brown next season, by all accounts, he probably isn't, right? He's had a bad season on the field. He's been playing through an injury, possibly. He isn't happy. There are all these rumors flying around that he's been looking for an out for for a long time. It felt like an odd move to begin with, didn't it? Him going there. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was one and done there. But outside of that, it's not just all about Beckham. There is there is so much talent on this roster. It's the same thing that people lobby at Jason Garrett and the Cowboys, I guess, is that how why are you not posting a better record when you have this much talent? And you have to look at uh, the head coach first and foremost there. So I wonder whether Freddie Kitchens will be uh, given the gig next season or not. That would be interesting. They are um, back to the Steelers then, because that's how we got down the, down the Cleveland tangent. So the Steelers are eight and six and the Titans, as we said, are the other team that are battling for that wild card record. Now the Titans have an interesting run in because they still have the Texans to play. Remember they're playing them two times uh, out of three. So despite the defeat yesterday uh, where Tennessee uh, really disappointing, I think that that, went down the way it did given the momentum that they've had. And I think so many people thought that this would be uh, their season to take this division. So I think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be difficult to pick themselves up from, uh, from that defeat against Houston yesterday, but they have the opportunity to do it, right? They've got the Texans on the final day of the season. They're going to get past the Saints next weekend though. And that is where I think uh, this one could run away from them because the Saints, 
interesting match and we could talk about which way you think that could go. But let's say the Saints get the win. The Titans then are eight and seven going into the final week of the season, knowing if the Texans win next weekend, that the division is beyond them. I don't know. One of the two defeats in a row, at all the wrong, at the wrong stage of proceedings when they've had so much momentum might just be too much for them to overcome, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and actually, um, Nat, to, to bring up a previous question, you asked me, who's the scariest head coach? I, I've changed my mind. I, I think I'm going to go with Rabel. Um, oh, yeah. That moustache, the way it just dances when he's shouting at reporters after the loss uh, against those Texans. <laughs> I think I think Vrabel's the scariest head coach. Um, listen, they they have to bounce back the Titans. Uh, it was a close game. We were watching it last night. Uh, still nil nil <laughs> into the second yeah. quarter. I think it was. It was. Uh, Kenny Stills finally got a touchdown. Uh, to to put some score on the board. Uh, they've got Derek Henry. They've got a fantastic running back there. Thirteen touchdowns. He's one thousand three hundred twenty nine yards on the ground. They've got AJ Brown. Tannehill's been recharged. Um, from his Miami days, he stepped up over Mariota and is and is driving that Titans team on. But I think you're you're spot on. If the Saints beat the Colts and uh you know the Tennessee Titans, they will be at home versus the Saints. If they don't get that win, I think this season uh comes to an end for them. And um they should should take no real shame in that fact. Um but going forward, is Tannehill the answer for them uh, over Mariota then then I feel like if you were to restart the season now with everyone they've got uh, Tannehill under the the centre and ready to take the helm of this team, then I feel like the Titans should feel very confident about coming back next year and, and putting down more of a, a sort of charge over those Texans. Yeah, that has been, he's definitely one of the comeback players this season, hasn't he? With uh, a remarkable performance when it looked like his career could, uh, as a starter in the NFL, anyway, could have been coming to the end of the road. The Texans, incidentally, obviously have the Titans' final day of the season, have the Bucks next weekend. So, uh, that, it could still, there could still be some real twists and turns in that AFC South race because the Bucks, God, we'll get to them in a sec when we talk NFC. My God, <laughs> what a baffling <laughs> team they are. Uh, but incredibly dangerous. So that game could conceivably go either way. So a final question then on, on the AFC and we'll move on. We, we're basically saying the Browns, the Raiders, although mathematically in the mix are done. What about the, the Colts? Now, disclosure, obviously, we're recording this on Monday ahead of uh, Monday Night Football, the Colts playing the Saints. So there could be a, a very different perspective on this question, uh, depending on what happens tonight. But the Colts, amongst the most disappointing capitulations, do you think, in the NFL this season, given how six weeks ago Jacoby Brissett was whisper, is he in the MVP conversation? This is a brilliantly organized team. I think many people felt they were the favorites, if not for the division, then a, then a wild card spot. And here they are at six and seven ahead of Monday Night Football against the Saints. Pretty much done as well. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, Frank Wright was the, the, the chosen one, uh, last, last year for head coach and the, the ability he's shown. And obviously the Eagles are missing him, uh, tremendously, um, this season with that, with their offensive woes. However, uh, yeah, it is disappointing. They didn't go into the season with the right preparation with Andrew Luck uh, retiring uh, before they could really do too much about that. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has stepped up at times. Uh, let's not forget Brian Hoyer stepped in when he was injured. Um, and, you and love a backup, don't you? I love a backup and I love a few interceptions that they throw right at the goal <laughs> line. Uh, those are my favourites. But um, the Colts, it's still within their hands to, to potentially take a win against the Saints and I think there's no reason why they can't um, if Mac gets rolling um, I mean T.Y. Hilton I mean fantastic wide receiver but he's always game to game it would appear you know hamstring this and, and hamstring that um, that's both legs that's one hamstring on one leg one on the other um, right. he's they, they've still got the ability and defensively to, to step up but is it a disappointing season did we expect them to 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 get straight into the playoffs. Well, I suppose because of the way it all went down with Andrew Luck preseason, the fact that they started so strongly, I guess it will be. Much like the Raiders, actually, and, and drawing a line under that with the Raiders and uh, moving on to Vegas, I think it will go down in many respects as a disappointing season for them because, you know, after Wembley and uh, and the way that they were rolling, I think, uh, sorry, it was Spurs they won at, um, but after the London game, it looked like, they were a decent shot for the playoffs and we were whispering, oh, it's Gruden coach of the year. And, you know, they might end up eight and eight and that's pretty good considering the preseason they had and the, 
expectation for the season, but I think they'll be disappointed. And I think the Colts will be disappointed if they don't make the postseason. Let's go on with the NFC because I want to get your perspective on the 49ers defeat because we were on air last night doing a radio show, but we'd uh, wrapped before the later games. And so one of the last things I said to you before you whizzed off to get the train home was what do you think is there any way that the falcons can can upset because the 49ers were a little bit banged up weren't they going into the game and and you said no i think despite that the strength and depth i you know i don't think uh, it'll be too difficult and i think you were among the 99.9 percent of people around the world that did not see this coming no, uh, no, thank you, uh, for reminding me not, uh, of my, um, <laughs> miscalculations. Um, the money was being put on the Niners. Uh, no one could see the, the Falcons, uh, getting that win. However, it, sometimes it just happens. They, uh, struggled getting to, um, uh, to Matt Ryan at times, uh, and, and putting real pressure on him. Um, the, the Niners have only kind of got themselves to blame. Um, Gould missed an extra point, but that still wasn't going to win, win the game. Um, uh, for, for the Niners or, or tie it. So really just throwing to George Kittle, he is incredible, but I just felt like there wasn't enough balance in that offense last night. Tevin Coleman, it was his return to, to face the Falcons. Um, unfortunately, he just didn't deliver. And I, I can't really put my finger on it. Is it the injuries or, or is it, were they too tired after the, the Saints Maybe. game? They were 19-10 up with 10 minutes to go, right? The 49ers. And, uh, and it was an incredible drive from Atlanta and, I mean, incredible in a number of different senses of the word, right? You had the uh, the Austin Hooper score that wasn't because we're on review. They decided that it had hit the ground. And I felt that was, pr- I mean, here we are again with those calls on does the uh, receiver have possession? Is he in control? I felt that was quite harsh, but it was overturned. Then Julio went in, uh, but uh, sorry, Julio was, uh, was, uh, called at the one yard line but they overturned that and called it the score to go ahead and then he had the craziness at the end which is why the scoreline was a little bit deceptive because the 49ers you know went for it and a defensive touchdown closed the game off incidentally that happened earlier in the season with the 49ers ollie the producer and i were chatting to about this before the show that do you remember the, that happened with the 49ers and the cardinals which affected the vegas line quite significantly in that one and the over under on this one i think was 49 so when that falcons <laughs> touchdown went in a lot of people who backed the over were very happy uh with, yeah listen no i'm i'm happy that they're happy um you know oh, thanks man i'm i'm really happy for them uh, but but you're right i mean at julio jones he broke the plane uh therefore uh, that counts <laughs> as a touchdown um i watched it uh, live at home and, um, a few choice words were used at that point, but, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it, it look, you look at that fourth quarter, 19 points for the Falcons and, and nine, uh, for the 49ers. There, there just wasn't enough, uh, balance in, in the Niners right. team. And, and, right. and, and I, I think, you know, the fourth quarter, it comes down to it. That's not the first time the Niners have lost in the fourth quarter. We lost against the Seahawks in the fourth quarter to the Ravens. Uh, it was neck and neck. I just, you know, my concern as a Niners fan is uh, is those injuries and how tired we are going into the end of the season. I mean, no one is fresh in this league, and I totally get that. Um, but, you know, the Niners, if you can't spread the offense around, otherwise George Kittle will soon be a, a, a double-team guy, which which right. actually he, he, seem, he needs three people really to pull him down, um, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, our last two fixtures <laughs> are like the Rams. Them. Yeah, go on. Uh, they're just the Rams and, and the Seahawks. So, you know, that's, that's going to be two very tough games in the NFC that. West. And, um, you know, the 49ers have clinched their playoff spot, which we're all very happy about. Uh, is this the time to rest a few players? But then you're going to have a harder postseason, you know, so it, it'll be an interesting one, but I feel like we've let too many games slip in the last play. Well, there are so many things to, to get into. Not least, I love the idea of Kittle being uh, triple teamed and then maybe more so like in uh, any battle royale of the last 30 years in the WWE, Royal Rumble, for example, <laughs> where he's the equivalent of Andre the Giant that needs 11 people to team up to throw him out of the ring. That's essentially how defense is dealing with George Kittle at the moment. So craziness of the NFC means the 49ers are now the fifth seed after that defeat. Uh, on this is a week after uh, the win against New Orleans. They fall back down to the fifth seed because the West is so difficult, because the Seahawks won again. Uh, Green Bay have an 11-3 record as well. So at the moment, 
ahead of Monday night football. The top two seeds are Seattle and Green Bay. But as we said a moment ago, the Saints will play the Colts tonight. So that can change. They could also go to 11 and three. You can have four teams on 11 and three by the end of week 15. The Cowboys, what a win for them. Absolutely steamrolling the Rams. A, a baffling performance from the LA Rams after they looked so good offensively against the Seahawks just a week before. Should have seen that coming. Again, Ollie and I were talking uh, about that going into week 15. And I said, out of out of all the picks, that is the one I'm least sure about going with. But I went with the Rams anyway. And, you know, within within moments, I realized the <laughs> horrible a feeling no. in the pit of my stomach. How, uh, and Jerry Jones is happy again, as he said. He's happy with the way the Cowboys are playing. So at this rate, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jason Garrett <laughs> is going to go to the Hall of Fame. But the, the Cowboys destroying the Rams. So they uh, moved to 7-7. Seven and seven. The Eagles won two. So that battle in the NFC East going to come to a thrilling uh, finale keeps rolling on both teams at 500 49ers as I say 11 and three the wild card and then you got Minnesota who won again as well six and uh six seed rather 10 and four the Vikings one of the form teams in the NFL right now going about their business again at the number six seed so let's unpick some of this that firstly we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks Tom oh it doesn't matter if you don't win the west I mean of course it matters because you're gonna not gonna have home field advantage but it's not the end of the world Seattle or San Francisco don't worry about it because you're going to be playing the winner of the NFC East so even though it's a a wild card round you're gonna you're gonna win that I mean that is a gimme that's a free hit not so much anymore now right if that (laughs) Cowboys team turns up exactly um I mean I'm I'm looking at the score there 44 to 21 um the Rams had no uh running game whereas on the other side the Cowboys steamrolling both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard uh, the rookie getting 131 yards for for Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott uh, 117 it was it was like the Cowboys that we'd have expected to see all season um they've been a a Jekyll and Hyde I think that's a fair uh reflection on the Dallas Cowboys when we expect them to get a win they don't uh, and when we think oh this is going to be a close game they absolutely uh knock it out the ballpark um yeah 475 it, yards they put up and, and this is wade phillips going back to dallas of course and i know that there are flaws in this la uh, uh, rams defense in many respects but particularly since they got Jalen ramsey and statistically they've been one of the hardest units to break down i think they're a ranking going into this game third in terms of points allowed and given how utterly vanilla and erratic the Cowboys have been offensively for a lot of the season. It's just absolutely bizarre that they, you know, if, if this had been a, I don't know, a 27, 24 last second field goal, fair play to them, 44, 21. And I mean, some of the plays, the uh, absolute craziness of the Tavon Austin touchdown uh, and loved his celebration incidentally as well. Tavon Austin, a former Ram, but he was just, he was, I mean, as open as, you could possibly get it was the whole side of the field there wasn't a defensive player anywhere near yeah they obviously thought Tavon Austin he can't possibly score it's like it's like (laughs) in football when you're going against an opposition once you score a goal you're not allowed to celebrate I mean Tavon Austin uh, was completely the opposite of that Uh, one reception for 59 (laughs) yards Um, but interesting enough you're saying there about the Rams they did do a great job of shutting down Amari Cooper only one reception uh, two targets for him but yeah I mean they expected uh uh, maybe uh, uh, you, you, your, your man Dak Prescott to start throwing that football, but he didn't. It was a ground game, and I think the Rams, for some reason, really struggled uh, because of that. Um, they have had problems all season, but they haven't addressed them. They haven't fixed them. Aaron Donald, um, no sacks for him. Uh, um, we know how dangerous he can be, but you know the, the Dallas Cowboys. You say they're vanilla. I like vanilla, but I like vanilla with like a rhubarb crumble or something. It, it, it's it's mm. an addition. I'm not saying the Rams are the rhubarb crumble there, but it was an incredible game and um, not one for defensive coaches to, to watch necessarily. No. Uh, well, I guess on the Cowboys side, they they took care of business in, in so many respects as well. On that side of the ball, Gurley didn't get a look in. Goff, we know, is an altogether different quarterback when he is pressured. pressured. Yeah, yeah. You know, every quarterback is to a degree, but Goff seems to be that his weaknesses are absolutely accentuated when he's under under pressure and they they worked that out what they needed to do and they executed that as well so fair play to the cowboys what what are we thinking about the vikings then because again speaking of comprehensive wins i mean it wasn't even close against the Chargers and la self 
combusting once again as they seem to do and now there's talk real talk that this is the end of the road for for rivers there but so is it one of those games tom that we can't read too much into because the charges were so bad or uh, should we credit another impressive clinical performance from the minnesota vikings who had adam thielen back by the way incidentally as well so they're getting stronger dalvin cook injury though to offset that Mm. a bit it's a shoulder injury so got to keep an eye on how serious that is at the time of recording this we're not we're not totally sure but the the vikings i've been saying it for a lot of the season now they are going about their business without anybody taking them particularly seriously and I, i just can't work out whether they will suffer from being in such a stacked nfc that you know, if the, if things were reversed and they're in the AFC, we'd be talking them up as Super Bowl contenders. Whether they will ultimately suffer that fate because it's going to be so competitive in the playoffs, or actually they are demonstrating because they're winning and winning and winning. And Cousins is, despite all the haters, doing it week in week out, uh, and they've got such balance on both sides of the ball that we've got to take him seriously as a as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think we we definitely have. Um, How do you like me now? His famous quote when he was at the Redskins. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like you, Kirk. Um, if you if you're asking me, um, the 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 problem with the the Chargers they they gifted this game in many respects to the Vikings. Um, you know the the fumbles from Melvin Gordon, uh, Philip Rivers tackled, lost the football. So did Hunter Henry. Um, that's four takeaways uh, for the Vikings on mistakes made. Or you could obviously say that the defense was very good for the Vikings. Um, it, whether Dalvin Cook uh, is, is a serious shoulder injury. They've got Mike Boone uh, picking up pretty much a lot of the workload. And then, of course, yeah, CJ Ham. Tell me about C.J.Ham. Um, one <laughs> carry for five yards. Um, <laughs> he might get, um, you know, he might get a meaty uh, workload at some point um, for the rushing yards for Vikings. I, I think you have to take them seriously. Um, and the fact that Adam Phelan is back and Stefan Diggs. Um, the question with Kirk Cousins, it works so well for him when they do have that running game that complements uh, the occasional big play from him, uh, throwing it, it down for Diggs and, and Thielen. But yeah, I, th- I think you can't write them off. They're, they're proving that they are winning um, and you, they can only play the team that's in front of them and the Chargers turn up and, and weren't as you'd expect them to be all season. It's a write-off. Uh, it would be a shame to, to see Rivers leave like this, um, but um yeah, they, they, it's kind of there, depending on whether they tank a little bit now and get a good quarterback in the draft, um, is yet to be seen. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, that a lot of reports again, hyping up that story. It seems um, seems like it could be the end of the road there. And I wonder whether Rivers will will hang him up. You just get the sense he's that kind of player that he's not going to go out like that. So even if the Chargers move on from him, he will he will find a team and, he'll, and he will get a starting gig if he leaves LA, even if his season has been a pretty lackluster. One of the stranger things I've Googled this season, Tom Deacon, regarding the NFL, Dalvin okay, Cook. Good. I'm, gl- I'm glad you specified yeah. that. Good. Okay. <laughs> NFL, just this season. Dalvin, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, oxygen mask ear, is, uh, is what I looked up before the show. Uh, because th- I saw this story, but it was a very, I'm not going to name the, the media title. Let's just say it's a tabloid newspaper that ran a story with not a huge amount of information about Dalvin Cook. Uh, having fans in stitches by putting his uh, oxygen mask, the oxygen mask to his ear. So I had to look the story up to just check whether it was a prank or it was absolutely true. Uh, Dalvin really? Cook, uh, puts oxygen mask on his ear. Um, wow. A breath of fresh air. I think, um. oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I think he was, uh, I think he was having a little bit of fun with us. I don't think he was legitimately, uh, legitimately thinking that is how the oxygen is ingested. Do you see Whitney Merciless in the Texans Titans game? After he got the pick and almost ran it back to the house, ran it about 80 yards and, uh, and then went straight with the oxygen tag and was there for about 15 minutes on the <laughs> sideline re-upping. I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, interesting enough, uh, there was that game, um, famously the last game at Candlestick for the Niners and mm. Navarro Bowman had a similar situation. The ball lands to, in, into his hands and then ran it actually back for, for a pick six. And that was the last game. The Niners beat the Falcons. Um, yeah, they could have taken a bit of experience from, for Merciless there, but he, he ran and he ran. He was huffing and puffing. Unfortunately, he didn't quite make it, but, um, yeah, I'm not surprised he had some oxygen after that one. It was a superb performance. Well deserved. On that run in then in the North to wrap things up in the NFC. So the Vikings schedule wise, cause they are still very much in the hunt for 
the uh, NFC North and they have the Packers next up. So that could conceivably uh, determine the division. The Packers next up and then the Bears uh, is their final game of the season. The Packers, on the other hand, obviously have the Vikings in week 16 and then their final game of the season takes them to Detroit, which you would think will be a gimme, although maybe Matt Patricia will uh, want to play spoiler there. Which way do you think the North's going to go? Oh, it's this. It. <laughs> I mean, here's my theory on the North. I feel like it's the toughest division. And by the time that anybody gets there from the NFC to the Super Bowl, they're too tired because they've played stronger opposition. Um, yeah. and, and again, every season, the Patriots managed to, uh, to claw their way through. Having said that, obviously the Eagles did manage to do it with a few cheeky trick plays. Um, yeah, I mean, two divisional games, uh, for the Vikings, uh, in the NFC North, they'll take on the Packers. And the Bears. I think the Bears uh, are there to be to be slain uh, now and taken out after yeah. that loss against the Packers. But the Packers will want to stay confident um, and, and get that game time in with Matt Lafleur's new system, um, or as I famously called him recently, Matt Lafleur. So um, he, did, he, I like that. I liked it. Uh, yeah, and I've got some flack for that, so maybe I won't do that again. Um, but he, uh, <laughs> just, uh, listen, don't worry about it. Green Bay Packers, you know, you know, uh, good luck getting a season Packers ticket. Yeah. Um, good luck getting a season ticket if you don't already have one. Um, they're just a bit, uh, bitter, but, but the Green Bay Packers, I think they want to just continue that good, strong performance they've had. Um, I think the Vikings, I think it definitely comes down to this Vikings Packers game. And I think that's a great way to set it up uh, on the 24th of December. Uh, that is the game uh, which will definitely play into uh, the Eagles. Fans will be watching it closely and so will the Rams. But um, yeah, I, I think maybe there's something I like about the Vikings that they're getting the job done. Final one for you, Tom, on Jameis Winston. I want to wrap up with him because as we alluded to earlier on the Bucks said, brilliantly mad aren't they to watch they, they, <laughs> so Winston is the fulcrum of the team and the apex of the craziness so he is uh well first of all they've got the leading passing offense in the league okay uh he has thrown 30 touchdowns 24 interceptions mm. they've won five out of six they have two of the most terrifying receivers if you're a cornerback in the game uh mike evans didn't play yesterday obviously because of a hammy but evans and godwin together are lethal winston is the first player ollie thornton our producer was telling me in nfl history with over 450 passing yards in consecutive games yeah he is on his day the best and the worst quarterback at the same time <laughs> currently in the NFL, often from not even from drive to drive, just from just from down to down. What on earth should we make of the Tampa Bay Bucks? And are they going to be potentially dangerous next year? Is Jameis Winston legit? What do we make of it all? Oh, I mean, this this story's been raging for 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 when I say raging, it's definitely been a topic of conversation. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, first round pick. You know, but more uh, so than ever, right? I mean, you, yeah, you're right. definitely. I mean, ever since he's been in the league, there's been this. Oh, is he oh, is he up to it? But yeah, you, you know, he came in with Mariota, and Mariota, and the way that that went down was a little bit lame. It wasn't really working out. Oh, you know, quietly benched. Tannehill comes in, and Winston just. Just tears up chaos every week wherever he goes. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Bruce Arians came in and everyone was said, "Listen, um, here's what you got to do. You got to fix this quarterback." And it would appear that Bruce Arians has said, "There's nothing to fix here. I cannot fix his interceptions that he's thrown. But what I can continue to push him to do is to just keep slinging the football, and it seems to be working." What the Bucks do not have is a running game. They, they that is that doesn't exist. Um, we thought Ronald Jones the second was going to be the answer to them, but they have relied on um, Jameis Winston just trusting his gut. Sometimes he gets it right, sometimes he doesn't. The problem that they are going to have potentially Godwin, uh, who's been fantastic all season, uh, might have a hamstring injury that, that takes him out for the rest of the year. And mm. with Mike Evans out, they lent on Brashad Perryman, yeah. who scored three touchdowns. Um, incredible stuff from them can they continue to produce if it's not this season which we know it's pretty much not in contention for them um then yeah next next season do not expect Jameis Winston to clean up the interception part of his game but expect him to just keep throwing that football and hey it 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 almost worked but what is Bruce Aarons going to do to make sure that they can get across the line in some of those games and and make sure that that they can get to the playoffs even their defense is 
Jekyll and Hyde. They can stop the run, but you can just score a ton of points on them. And the pass defense is not where it needs to be. Yeah, definitely one of those teams going into the offseason that we need to keep, I think, a really sneaky close eye on. The Cardinals as well, I think, could be, I'm going to call it now, the Cardinals are going to be a playoff team next season. How wow. About How yeah. about that? I like it. And obviously the, the Tampa Bay Bucks have got Texans next and, um, Carlos Hyde, I don't think he gets enough love. Uh, why am I talking right. about him? Probably because he's a former 49er. Yes, he uh, he, he's had a great season, um, uh, for, for the Texans and they'll try and run that football or it's going to be one of those games where, yeah, you can beat the Bucks by throwing that football. And that's definitely what Watson can do. Um, a Jekyll and Hyde team, but one that I'd say are going in the right direction, the Bucks with, with Bruce Arians. You know what? You are not a Jekyll and Hyde character tom deacon you are all hang on which is the good one jekyll <laughs> <laughs> which part of edinburgh are we talking about i like the newer part um <laughs> from where jekyll and hyde comes from uh, listen now uh, it was it, i'm i've i've loved talk, talking to you even though the the niners have lost it's never easy when your team's lost but but i am loving the nfl at the moment and, it, and there's so many possibilities that are happening going into that playoffs and the seattle seahawks which i don't think we mentioned too much they're seven and one away they've lost two at home they'll be definitely hoping uh they don't have to play at home, in my opinion, in the playoffs. Uh, they're a team that, that have produced and they're not produced at times. Um, but the thing is, they keep winning and that's all that matters in the NFL. Indeed. And you know what? Uh, the other thing that matters, is, that's not all that matters. The other thing that matters no? is you're back on the show. You're back on the show at a perfect time. So we're going to get this weekend done and dusted. Then the small matter of Christmas, which we're all going to take care of. And then you're back on the 27th at ESPN HQ, no less. So we can look back at what happened week 16 and look ahead to week 17 when it's all going to get decided. That is the best. That's going to be the best show of the year. Definitely. And are we doing, is it a secret Santa that we have to do uh, you and I now, or do we just, just secret Santa sit on the simplicity is complex uh, on a t-shirt <laughs> or a hoodie on a, on a cut off sleeve, better check hoodie. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's coming your way now. Or a really aggressive Christmas message from Mike Tomlin. <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> or one of Vrabel two. or one of them. Yes, um, Vrabel. Yeah. Just, or actually, yeah, maybe, maybe just an applause, uh, from, uh, Garrett, um, at, uh, at the Cowboys. Just a nice, just clapping at you. That would be the perfect. Just a smirk on his face. <laughs> the, the, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, we're all going to look like idiots. Uh, great stuff, Tom. If our listeners want to follow you on social media as they should, and maybe even catch you live doing some stand up, where can they head? Uh, they can head, uh, I think the best thing, I keep paying for it every year, uh, re- re- renewing my website. So maybe that's the best thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Tom uh, Deacon uh, is, is the best place to go on my website. But social media uh, would be Tom Deacon Comedy on Instagram is probably the best one as well. Deeks, crack of work. I'll see you on the 27th. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. And I look forward to it now. Fine work from Tom Deacon, as we established, I don't know, about 25 times on the show. He's going to be back on the 27th uh, for our studio show that week. And speaking of which, Gab Marcotti, no less, is our studio guest this Friday at ESPN HQ. Uh, I'll be talking about his beloved Philadelphia Eagles for one. So looking forward uh, to checking in with the terrific Marcotti. I might back on Wednesday. Get involved with the Listener League, as I say, over on our social channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you haven't already, go and leave us a nice Christmas review over on iTunes or whichever podcast you listen to us on. It all helps in the end. Enjoy it. See you Wednesday. Bye for now. Podcast Network.